This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome back, everybody, rather, I should say. Tonight we are learning Le'ilu Nishmat Shema Eta Bat Shimon and Le'ilu Nishmat Avram Ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechezkel Ben Avraham. So we have been, we have taken a little bit of a break since last time we discussed on the Emuna topic, and I want to give a little bit of a recap, maybe a few minutes of a recap on what we've spoken about in the previous classes regarding this, um, I guess, this particular topic, and that is Hishtadlut, that is effort. How much effort do I need to put in versus how much Emuna do I need to have? So we have to do a quick recap on this. Now, this is the third class on this topic, so give me like two, three minutes to try to like give you a summary of what we spoke about, because that's really going to lead us to what we're speaking about uh, tonight. And tonight is a very important class that is not only important for Emuna, but it's also important in life in general. Now, the question that we started off this topic is with is that if Hashem controls everything, if God controls everything, and everything is in Hashem's hands, then why do I have to do anything? Why don't I have to sit back and just let everything that Hashem wants for me to ha- have or happen will happen? The flip side of this is that if now I, meaning that what, what I'm saying is, is that if you were supposed to have a moon, so just have a moon and don't do anything else. But if you have to do something, then when you're doing something, then what does it mean? And, and if so, how much? faith you need to have. So there's a weird balance that it's very hard for many people to figure out how much emuna and how much ishtadlut do I need to do. So a, a person could go on the, on the mindset that all I need to do is I sit back, I relax, and God, Hashem gives me everything. But the problem with that is, is that a person could get, fall into a category of having something that is called too much bitachon. You could have too much emuna, meaning that what happens is that you're guilty of something that you really should have done something. You can't sit back and you have food in front of you and say, you know what, I'm not going to eat. Hashem will, you know, give me, uh, you know, sustenance. That's not the correct way. You have food, you have to go and you have to eat. Of course, this borders the concept of laziness. Maybe somebody is too lazy, so he falls back and I'm not. Oh, no, don't worry. Everything is from God. Everything God will, uh, God will give me. So that is something that we, discuss, we, we spoke about. And we also spoke about the concept of why is the whole purpose of Hishtadlut? Why do we even need effort? So the Chavot al-Vavot brings down, there's two main reasons. Number one is something called a Bechina. It's a test. It's a test. Are you going to be tempted to transgress, to go against the Torah, to get, go against Hashem? Or are you going to go and you're going to follow the Torah, you're going to follow the laws that we are required to follow? The second reason is something called Yigiyah. Yigiyah is toil. A person has to toil. Why does a person have to toil always be involved? Because when you get bored, you get in trouble. So in order to keep somebody out of trouble, that's something that, you know, you have to work, you have to do effort, you have to do Ishtadlut, you have to do things, and that sort of busies up your day, and that prevents you from going and doing sins and, uh, uh, you know, straying further away from the Torah. So says the Chavot Alvot, based on this, that if somebody is able to negate these two reasons, meaning that if somebody doesn't need the aspect of a test, meaning that they're very devoted and sincere to the service of the Barunah Shalalam, they're very devoted to the Torah, they follow everything that they need to, they trust, they have umunah bitachon in God, then they sort of, the, the reason for the test sort of crumbles away. The second thing that we spoke about, the second reason for Hishtadlut is Yigiyah, toil. If a person, let's say when he has tranquility, when he has, uh, you know, days off, when he's relaxed and he's able to sit and follow the Torah and learn Torah and do everything that they need to, so then there is no need for the toil. Meaning that if you're able to get to a level 
where the reasons for hishtadlut, the reasons for effort, are no longer necessary for you, then you no longer need to do the effort. Meaning that if there is a reason for a certain idea, let's call it, if you take away the reason, then the idea is no longer needed. Now, the idea here that we're referring to is emunah and bitachon. If you take away, not, I'm sorry, the, the idea that we're referring to over here is hishtadlut. If you take away the reason for hishtadlut, then you no longer need to do the hishtadlut. So how do you take it away when you get yourself on such a high level that there is no need for you to do the hishtadlut? Meaning what we see over here, something is very important. That the amount of hishtadlut is very fluid. And by the way, if, if I threw you off until what I said so far, then please listen to the previous two classes as a recap on Emunah, because that's gonna, that's basically what I'm, what I'm discussing. What we discuss further is an aspect that there is Hishtadlut on the physical aspect, and then there is spiritual Hishtadlut. Meaning what's spiritual Hishtadlut? Spiritual, we know a physical Hishtadlut, right? Let's first clarify that. Physical Hishtadlut is, let's say if you want to go and you want to make money, so you go out to work. If you want to go and get married, you go out on dates. If you want to go and you're sick, you want to get healthy, you go out and you take your medicine. That's the physical Hishtadlut. What's the spiritual Hishtadlut? The spiritual Hishtadlut is something that, let's say for example, prayer, tefillah. When you go and you pray, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get you what you want. The Mishnah Kedushim, which we quoted, says that Rab Meir says that what? That a person should always teach his children an easy profession and should pray to some, but to the one who is the master of riches. Meaning that there's two aspects over here, Rab Meir said. Number one, work. Teach him something that he or she something that she'll be able to work with. But number two is realize you have to do the spiritual aspect and that is to pray. There's another spiritual aspect of it besides praying is a certain mitzvot. We know uh, people like to call this concept maybe a segula, of something that there is sort of a shortcut, if you could say. The Gemara Shabbat, page 23b, goes and brings a certain type of, uh, you know, examples. If somebody is careful in the mitzvah of mezuzah, they will merit to have a beautiful home. Which, by the way, this is why that if, let's say, you know, you're renting or you own a home, you should always go, don't go for the lowest level of mezuzah. Go for something that's that's higher. Maybe you can reach the highest level, but go for something that's higher. Don't go from just the lowest, most basic level. Go something that that's showing Hashem. Listen, I, I the, you gave me this. Let me show you what I could. Do. Let me show you. Let me give you back a little bit. Let's call it like that. Even though you're just protecting yourself. So the mezuzah is something. If you're careful with the mitzvah of mezuzah, you'll merit to have a beautiful home. The same aspect of let's say tzitzit for a man. If a man has is careful with the mitzvah of tzitzit, he will merit to have nice clothing. If somebody is careful with the mitzvah of kiddush. Of, of having Kiddushan wine, they'll merit to having, a, this is better yet, they merit, merit to be able to afford an abundance of wine. The way that it works is everything is midah, kinek and midah. Everything is measure for measure. Everything that God does. So if you're careful in one aspect, that will give you the ability to go and be successful in that area. And that's why many people and the young people, when they hear about uh, this concept, so they want to get married, for example, so they start and they start figuring, let me start working on Shiduchim. Let me try to help other people. You want to be successful in business. So instead of, besides doing your, your, your Shaduchim in business, you go and you start helping other people in that aspect of it as well. Now, there are two things that we spoke about thus far. So there's the physical, and then there is the spiritual aspect of Hishtadlut. There's two different aspects, spiritual and physical. Now, sometimes, even just spiritual Hishtadlut is enough. And we brought down this story from the, it was actually a machloket, between the Rashash and Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. They had an argument. And the argument was, how far does the power of Bitachon go? The Rashash said that a person cannot have any effect on something that's predetermined by HaKadosh Baruch If something is already predetermined by Hashem, then that's it. The deal is closed. 
Rabbi Yisrael Salanta goes and says, no, you can acquire something through the power of trust. Isn't that crazy? You can get something just by the power of trust. And they were saying, no, the one side that you can, others the one side that you could. So what do they decide to do? They're going to do an experiment. They're going to do a, uh, um, a, 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 put themselves in a situation to see who's right. And Rabbi Yisrael Salanta goes and he says that he's going to focus on the power of emunah, on the power of trust, in order to acquire a gold watch. And this is what he says. He says, if I get a gold watch, we'll see that I'm right. If I don't get a gold watch, we'll see that you're right. And the Rav Shash, Rav Shash, they both agreed on that. And Rav Shash started focusing on his power on emunah and bitachon. And lo, behold, not a few minutes go by, and there is a knock on the door, and there's a guy that runs in over here, a Jew that runs in, and he says, Rabbi, I just arrived from a town called Konensburg, and I saw a beautiful gold watch, and I was convinced that this will be a perfect watch for the rabbi. So here, I bought it for you, and here, it's for you, my rabbi. Take, take the watch. Over here we see, over here, a very powerful lesson, that with the power of just spiritual hishtadlu, just emunah, and bitachon, you are able to go and get something that maybe you would say you ordinarily would not get. And the question that we asked was, what about us? That's Rabbi Yisrael Salanta. That's a gadol adol. What about us? So, another, we're almost finished the recap. The final aspect of the recap is, is that the question is as follows. The qu- very important question. So, so this is very important. I know this is a little bit, you have to think a little bit, but stay with me. If a person has emunah bitachon, that only good things will happen to them, will only good things happen to you? Can you go on a level that's saying, I have a munah bitachon that only good things will happen to me, and because of that, only good things will happen? So there's a machloket. The Chazonish, for example, is, he goes and says in a sefer munah bitachon, that people who think that a munah and bitachon means believing that only good things will happen, they're mistaken. And we spoke about this previously, we're not going to get into the depths of this. But the Chavot of Avot, for example, and the Vilna Gon, We'll say that if somebody has emunah and bitachon, trust in God, that only things will be good for him, then things will be good for him or her. But they added a very important caveat, a condition, that you have to fulfill your obligation to God. You can't go and say, I have so much emunah and bitachon, and from the emunah and bitachon, don't worry about it, everything good will happen, don't worry about all my sins. No, no, no. If you're rebelling against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you don't follow the Torah mitzvot, what are you going to start listening in this aspect and you even pick and choose? So the... Chavot alavot, the Vilnagon, also say that it is possible for a person to get something even that it wasn't sort of predestined, so to speak. Basically saying that if you have a munah bitachon, if you believe that only good things will happen, then only good things will happen. So says Rab Shimshim Pinkus, how do we go and explain this? These are very two different approaches. You know, either you could say that having bitachon means that good things will not necessarily happen to us because it's life. Or you could say having bitachon causes good things to happen to us, even if we're unworthy. But we have to get to a certain level to become worthy, so to speak. So, Repetition Pigos goes and answers this beautifully. That really they don't contradict each other. Each one is speaking on a different level of, of bitachon. Meaning that if you have a tzaddik, a righteous person, they only need a little bit level of emunah bitachon, and they will be able to go and get what they wanted. Because they don't have this pack of sins that's, you know, overbearing them and causing them to, to lose that power of Amunah B'dachon. But a wicked person could still be able to get things that are not on their level, meaning that they are maybe not deserving on. 
But how do they do that? They have to raise the emunah bitachon, meaning that it's, again, it's a fluid state, the emunah bitachon. So if you're on a lower level, you have to have a tremendous amount of emunah bitachon, and then you'll be able to get whatever it is that you wanted. If you're on a higher level, then you need only a certain amount of emunah bitachon. Meaning that there are certain things that can get you to where you want to, but it depends on what level you are on and how much effort then you ha- thus you have to put into it. So that is a quick recap. I know I may have lost some of you. So let me make it very clear and very simple. That the question, the famous, the million dollar question is, how much emunah and how much bitachon do I need to have versus how much ishtadut, how much effort do I need to do? Meaning, What's the difference? Where's the balance between faith and effort? And the answer is the balance, the, the, that line is fluid. It all depends on where you are holding. And that's what we're trying to discuss tonight. What we're trying to discuss tonight, Be'ezat Hashem, is what level are you on? And depending on what level you are on, you will be able to go and figure out how much, how much emunah and how much ishtadut do you need to do. So now, the, I, I gotta give a disclaimer that this is not going to be some sort of like uh, aptitude test where you sort of plug in a few answer, a few a few answers, and then it's going to come out the number. Hey, by the way, you are number fifty-three on emunah You have to do X amount, and you have to do of uh, emunah, and you have to do X amount on hishadut. No, this is something that is also very fluid, so you have to pay close attention, and you have to figure out. the The truth is, what we're really going through is is going to be honesty. You have to really figure out through it true honesty on what level you are on. So when we speak about emunah bitachon, there is different aspects. So, so let's say, for example, when it comes to life and death, when it comes to like really serious issues, people are very easily prone to, you know, it's all from God. You know, like there's so much, it's out of my control. You know, like someone is sick on their deathbed. So yeah, it's, it's all in God's control. So it's, it's sort of, we, we put a, a, when it comes to life and death, we know that it's all minash, It's all from Hashem. But then when it comes into like more of a lower uh, level, let's say you speak about something of livelihood, panasa, something of shidochim, for example, then in this manner, a person is like, okay, well, yeah, it's all from Hashem, but I have to do a certain ishtadlut, and all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more fluid, so to speak. So we tend to like confuse ourselves where, confuse is not the right word, we tend to, no, Confuse is a good word. We tend to confuse ourselves where we go and where it's like, when it comes to life and death, full everything is from God. When we come to Panasat, when we come to other aspects, we'll be like, yeah, well, yeah, everything's from God, but I have to do certain things more than others. Meaning that if you're not on a level of the in your Panasat, then you're really not on the level of when it comes to life and death. Meaning that it, it's something that has to be, you have to be honest with yourselves. And we tend to fool ourselves. Fool, that's better than, than you know, confused. We tend to fool ourselves that, you know, maybe we're on a certain level in one area and we're on a different level in a different area. Now, granted, it is possible to be very honestly in a different area. But if we dig deep down, we realize that there's something missing over there. If we are way high in Emunah B'Tachon in one area, and way low in a certain Emunah B'Tachon in another area, there is a reason for that discrepancy. There's a reason for that, you know, wide range of difference of where we're holding. Now, the Chazanish goes and brings down that there are many times that it's, it's easy to trust in, in, let's say everything is good. 
your life is good. Everything is going great. Panasa is great. Shalom Bayit is great. Kids are great. Everything is great. So yeah, it's easy to talk about Emunah B'tachon. No problem. Yeah, of course you should have Emunah B'tachon. Let's say you have a guy. Let's call him Ruven. The Chazanish goes and says, let's say this guy goes. And he's at a high, everything is going well for him. So of course he's going to go and he's starting to speaking about Emunah B'tachon. He's going to start going and saying, everybody should have Emunah B'tachon. It's such a high level. It's so important. It's so practical. This is the level that we need to go. Then what happens if suddenly somebody opens up a store, a competitor opens up next to him? Is he still El Emunabitachon? Or maybe he starts going and he starts figuring out a way that to undermine his competitor. And of course, he's a righteous man, he's a big Tamit Chacham, he's a big Tzadik, so he doesn't do it out loud, he doesn't do it in publicly. So he does it behind the scenes. He does it behind, he tries to go and figure out a way that make his competitor not be able to open up very close to him, because then it's going to take away business. Ah, but what about Emunah B'tachon? What about your high level? No, yeah, he's going to go, and he's going to start making excuses. And this is what we do to ourselves all the time. We start convincing ourselves, that no, really it's okay. To the extent that initially this, this businessman, he is going to start going behind the scenes to try to go and prevent this competitor from opening up. But as time goes by, he loses this sense of shame. And he so, he's unfortunately gravitates towards this crooked path. And he starts openly committing these, these type of actions, these deplorable actions in public to go and prevent this person from opening up his, 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 you know, something that will compete directly with his business. And then he will start justifying it. He says, no, it's really for the Shem Shemaim, it's really for the sake of heaven. It's really, he's not going to dwell over here, he can He gives a thousand and one reasons of why it's okay. And this is really what we do, unfortunately, to ourselves. We go and we start spewing and we start teaching, we start saying all these extra things about the importance of Emunah Bitachon and all these things, but then when a push comes to shove, you have a friend that comes to you, for example, and the friend comes and they're broken, and you say, no, you have to have Emunah Bitachon, you have to go and you have to raise yourself up. And it's easy to speak when it comes though to you. Oh, it gets all of a sudden so difficult. When a push comes to shove, all of a sudden it gets very, very difficult. This shows that where your level is really on. It's easy to speak. It's easy. What I'm doing, what I'm going, we're going through a whole emunah, it's easy. What's difficult is putting everything that I say. I'm not only speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself also. It's difficult to go and put everything that I say into practical use. You have to go and realize that just because you have the information over here doesn't mean that you have the information over here. You have to go and you have to bring that inside because if you don't bring that inside of you, then you're not on that level, but you'll think that you're on that level. And you know what the Chazanish says? That a person who lacks trust, that's bad. But you want to know what's worse? Is that a person that has a false sense of trust. A person that doesn't know what level they're on, but they think that they know what level they're on. That is a very, very bad place to be. And that's not only an emunah. That's in spirituality as well. When you're thinking that you're on a certain level, but you're really on a very, very low level. And of course, it goes all the way around. Sometimes people think they're very low level, but they're really on a much higher level. So it's very, very imperative, very important, very... I, I can't even, you know, like, forget about all the self-esteem aspects, but it's so imperative for your spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual well-being to be honest with yourself. And to realize where you are holding in your life. It could be in Emunah, it could be in spirituality, it could be in anything. The Chafetz Chaim had a student in his yeshiva. And as the student was getting older, the Chafetz Chaim realized that he's not going out on dates. 
And the Chafetz Chaim goes to him and he says, why are you not going out on dates? So the student goes and says, I only agree to go out with girls whose family is committed to supporting us for the next five years, for the first five years of marriage. So the Chafetz Chaim goes over to him and he says, you know, my dear student, how long do you think that you will, uh, that you will live? So he starts, you know, the student, he starts quoting a pasuk in Tehillim, and he says, you know what? It says that you're going to live 70 years, so 70 years. So the Chafetz Chaim goes to him and says, and how will you support yourself after these, how will you manage after these five years? So he, the student goes over to the Chafetz Chaim and he says, you know what? Hashem will take care of me. After that five, Hashem will take care of you. So the Chafetz Chaim brilliantly goes, brilliantly and simply goes over to the student and he says, I don't understand. For 50 years, you're willing to rely on Hashem to support you. You can't rely on Him for another five years. You could only go and date with girls that will be able to support you. Because after that five years, that you'll have faith in Hashem. But up to that five years, you can't, you can't extend that faith for another five years. So the answer is, is what, what's going on through this boy's mind? The, the, the truth is if that he's honest. The emunah that he has, that God will, will, will help him the next, you know, 50 years is not really on a high level. Cause if it would be, it wouldn't matter if the, the girl's family has money or girl's family doesn't have money. Cause at the end of the day, God gives you the money. Not the father-in-law, not the boss, not your partner, not your customers. It's Hashem who gives you the money. The, it was once a, Drasha that was given by Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. And the topic was Bitachon. And Rabbi Yisrael Salanter went and he stressed that if a person puts his full trust in Hashem, then God will fulfill any of his requests. So there was a certain person that was listening to the class. And again, back then there was no listening to it online. It was all in person. Everything was all in person or nothing. And he goes over to the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, listen. He says, I'm a plaster. That's my, my profession. And I want to ask you, if I have a high level of emunah bitachon, and I go and I buy a lottery ticket, and I trust in Hashem with all my heart that I will win that, that lottery. Will I win that lottery? Because you said that if you have enough faith, enough trust in Hashem, then you could, Hashem will fill any of your requests. So Rabbi Sol goes to him and he says, I guarantee you that if you put all your trust in Hashem, you will win the lottery. So this man went home thinking that and believing <laughs> that he was a huge Baal Bitachon. He was a huge level. He was on a, such a high level of Emunah Bitachon. And he goes to the store and he buys a lottery ticket. And he was so sure that he was going to be a winner that the next day he goes to the Minyan and after the Miyani, he sits in the bed with he learns a little bit. And then he comes home after the Shi'ul Torah. And he looks, and his wife looks at him and says, why are you not rushing out to work? And he's like, oh, you, he says, we don't have to worry about money anymore. He says, I have a Munah, I have Bitachon that I'm going to win the lottery. And that windfall is soon going to be ours and we don't have to, and there's no reason for work. So he goes and he sits around the house. A week before the lottery drawing, he goes to the, to the level that he goes is he starts putting up signs in the shul, in the synagogue. And he's inviting all the members of the synagogue to a party that he will be hosting because he's going to be winning the lottery. That's how much of a high level he was. So if you saw saw this letter, he sends a messenger to this a plaster, to this, uh, to this person who bought the lottery ticket. And he goes over and he says, I will buy the lottery ticket for you right now 
for 10,000 rubles. And that was half the value of the lottery. Now the plaster gets this message. And he doesn't even hesitate for a second. He runs back to over to Rabbi Shal Sanda and says, you got yourself a deal. I'll sell you the lottery ticket for 10,000 10, rubles, even though the value of the winning ticket is 20,000 rubles. So Rabbi Shal goes over to him and he says, you are not a genuine Baal Bitachon. If you really believed that you would win this lottery, then you would not have been willing to sell me the ticket for half its worth. Why would you sell, why would you sell something for half its worth if you know the value of it? Rather, your trust is incomplete. And if your trust is incomplete, you're not going to win the lottery. Go back to work. We have to be honest regarding our true level of emunah and bitachon. Because you want to know what happens if, let's say, you're not honest. If you go, the, 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 the problem of failure is, is, can be very problematic. Because let's say a person goes and thinks that they're a certain level of emunah and bitachon. And they feel that they're going to get something. And because of that, they lower their level of ishtadlut. So what happens is, is that the thing that they wanted didn't come to fruition. Whatever it was, the panasah, the deal, the shidduch, it didn't come to fruition. Now this person, if they were not really on a high level of emunah bitachon, they're going to start regretting what they did. See, you know what? I should have done more shadut. I should have done more effort. Meaning that because I didn't do more effort, that's why I lost out of it. So the, the repercussion, the, the problems that could come out of not being honest in here can really dip you in your, uh, in your spiritual pursuit. So the balance has to be very honest and at the same point in time, you have to realize that it differs from one person to another. Meaning that the level that you are is not the level that your friend is. And I'll tell you even furthermore, the level that you are right, right now is not the level that you are yesterday. And it wasn't the level that you are last week, and it's not going to be the level that you are next week. Our, our levels fluctuate between our friends, between our family members, and between ourselves. So there's very, very important to, to figure out that point of balance. Now, Rav Desla goes and, and brings down, there's five levels of where you can, you know, sort of place yourself. And where do you stand on your level of emunah and bitachon? So the highest level, says Rav Desla, is level number one. And level number one is that miracles and nature are exactly the same to you. Meaning that there's no such thing as nature. Everything is a miracle. There's, there, there's no aspect of something miraculous for something that's natural because they're both the same to you. They're both miraculous. And Rav Dessel brings down a few examples. One example is the Gemara in Bachot, page 35b, where you have Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. He goes and he says, is it possible that a person will plow in the time of plowing and a person sows at the time of sowing? If so, what will happen to the Torah? So says Rab Shimon Bar Yochai, rather what your person is supposed to do, a Jew is supposed to do, is to obey God's will. Sit and focus on your spiritual pursuit all day. And the labor, don't worry about that. That will be performed by others. The, this, in fact, happened to Rab Shimon Bar Yochai. Rab Shimon Bar Yochai put all his hope in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in Hashem. And when he was hiding in a cave, as the Gemara on Shabbat, page 33b says, that what? That we had a, there was a carob tree that was created, and there was a spring which was also created, which he drank from, and he sustained himself. Meaning that all he did was focus on his spiritual pursuit, and God took care of the rest. We also have Rebbe Chanina ben Dosa, in the famous story in Tanit, page 25b, which says that his daughter one time was, instead of preparing oil for the lighting of the Shabbos candles, she accidentally used vinegar. 
And she was very upset. And Rabbi Chinah says, why are you sad? He says, the, per, the, the one who said that oil should burn will say that vinegar should burn. What's the difference? Can oil burn? Why is that? Why could that burn any more than vinegar? And what happened was that they lit the vinegar and the vinegar burned just like it was, it would have been oil. Uh, but the question that you could ask is that if Rabbi Chinah and Mendoza was such a high level, why didn't Hashem just provide him with oil? And the answer is that Rabbi Chinah and Mendoza attained such a high level that the fact that the oil burned was exactly the same miracle as vinegar burning. It's all from Hashem. So both both are miracles. So there, the, it wouldn't have been a difference for him. That's a level. That's level number one. Level number one meaning that there's no difference between miracle and nature. It's both the same. Meaning, if you walk out of the street and suddenly you see someone else flying, it doesn't matter. How are you walking? How is their gravity? Like all these things are exactly the same to that person at a very very high level. That's level number one. Says Rav Dessler, level number two. Level number two is a person who realizes that the actions that a person has is really of no use. Meaning that everything comes from up above. Everything comes from Shemayim. But intellectually, you understand that. But emotionally, you have not attained that yet. So meaning that miracle and nature for this person is not the same. That to, to the extent that this is this type of person would have to be occupied with Natural pursuit. He has to do some more sort of ishtadlut. Because he's not on the level that he just sits back, like the level number one, where you sit back and everything happens for you, like Rabbi Shem Bayochai in the previous example. And this example, level number two, is the level which Rabbi Shmal refers to in the Talmud, in the Gemara, in Bachot, page 35b. Where Rabbi Shmal goes and says that you have to conduct yourself in a natural manner. That a person has to go through natural means. And you're not supposed to rely on miracles, because if you rely on miracles, you will not succeed. And this is how the Nefesh HaChaim, Rav Chaim of Belashen, goes and explains. You know, you have over here in the Gemara, there was a machloket between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shem and Bar Yochai. Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi Shmuel says, no, you have to do effort. Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi Shem and Bar Yochai says, no, don't worry about it. You do your spiritual stuff and everything will happen from God, from the physical stuff. You don't have to put any effort into it. So really, says the Nefesh HaChaim, it's not an argument. It all depends on what level you're on. If you're on a level of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, then you don't have to do anything. Everything will happen for you. But if you're on the regular, if you're not on that high level, as the majority of us are, then you have to follow Rabbi Shmuel, which means is that you have to do your certain hishtadlut, you have to do your certain, your certain aspect of effort that you need to. And this is what the Gemara Nida, page 70b says, that what should a person do to become wealthy? You have to do, go work, do a lot of business, deal honestly, but you also have to be too, together with prayer. You have to pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to do the two aspects of hishtadlut that we spoke about. So that's level number two. Level number three is that when this person, in level number three, when they would witness a miracle, this will strengthen their faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They will see that, like this type of person doesn't see that nature is just an illusion and nature is also miraculous. This type of person, you know, has the, the emotional understanding that nature has sort of an existence of its own. That there's, there's something called nature. And this nature operates according to its fixed scientific laws of nature. And if a person exerts himself and does the sufficient hishtadlut that they need to, then this person will be successful. And this level, level number three, a person doesn't always realize that the natural activity, your natural hishtadlut, has, your physical hishtadlut, has no bearing whatsoever on the final result. Meaning that the real honest 
level of and when I'm the, the real highest level in the call like that is that it doesn't matter on your Heshadut or not. Everything is from Hashem. But on level number three, you feel that your effort is what brings you success. So this person, like yes, miracles will strengthen their um, their their realization of Hashem. But at the same point in time, nature sort of weakens their connection to the spirituality, so to speak. So this is a level where it, it, it sort of, you know, depends on where you are. That the miracle aspect of it will strengthen you. The natural, that the natural aspect of it will sort of weaken. So you're sort of in like an in-between, you know, stage. That's stage number three. Stage number four is a stage, and as you can see, we're obviously going down. Stage number four is if you go and if you see a miracle, but you'll say, no, this miracle, this is not a miracle, it's just natural. You'll, you'll bring a miracle down to a natural course of events. This, th- for these people, miracles are of no beneficial use whatsoever. They don't gain anything spiritual, spiritually speaking from this. The, in fact, they would actually lose from it because they see a great opportunity to acknowledge a God's existence, but they still deny it so that the sin gets even, even greater. And this, you know, from this little aspect, this is why I ask, um, a lot of atheists, when I speak to them, did you ever witness, did you ever see, did you ever hear of a miracle? And very, very often I get, no, I've never seen a miracle. I said, a miracle never happened to you? Nothing miraculous ever happened to you? I said, no, nothing miraculous ever happened to, to me. That's, a, that's a, a very, very low level that you can't even see a miracle. And if you do see a miracle, you will attribute it to some sort of um, natural events. And by the way, this can go on a wide spectrum of things. Like you could, you know, you see, you know, uh, you, you're a witness to, let's say, a birth of a, of a child. That's miraculous. And, but that's your sort of, you get sort of, like, you know, used to nature. But then you have something that, let's say, you know, something crazy happens. Someone falls from a very high, le- from very high, you know, level. And from that, they leave without a scratch. Someone, God forbid, gets into an accident, walks away without a scratch. That's a miracle that doesn't happen so often. And even in that level, you'll attribute it to some sort of natural event. Oh, it was because we had airbags. That's, you know, so, so, so that level, you're negating even a miracle that happened and you're bringing it into a natural, a, a natural course of events. So that's the fourth level. The fifth and lowest level is a person who has no belief in God, no belief in divine providence, no belief in Ashkechapatid. They believe that everything that happens in this world, in their life, is because of them. It's the strength of my hand that made me wealthy. It's a strength. It's because I'm careful that I'm that I'm healthy. It's because I'm because I worked hard. It's because is is why I have X, Y, and Z. And this, says Rabbi Dessar, the Satan was given permission to mislead them. Saying, yeah, you want to think that that's really the source of your blessing, the source of your power? And then yes, the Satan will make it believe that that really is the source of his, of his power, of his blessing. Now, these are five different levels. Now, these five different levels, you know something very interesting. When you're learning, when you're listening to these five different levels, I can guarantee you that many of you already were like, at level one, you're like, no, okay, that's not me. Level two, okay, maybe. And then I say at level three, you're like, you know what, maybe I'm level three. Then I get to level four, you're like, wait, maybe I'm level four. And then, you know, you sort of, we tend, and this is where it comes to, to sort of intellectual honesty, where all the scenarios that I just presented to you in those five levels, besides, let's say, the first and the fifth, two, three, four, and four, you're like, yeah, I could be in that level. Oh, no, no, yeah, maybe I'm in this level. You know, maybe, maybe I'm in this level. Meaning that you, if you're not sure where you fall, that means that you're, 
really unclear where you're standing intellectually, where you're standing on an emuna basis, how much emuna and bitachon you need to have. And granted, it's very possible to be fluctuating in these in these aspects. So 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 much so that even in certain criteria, you could be a level two, and other criteria you could be a level four. But that just means that you have to sort of connect between that two and that four and figure out how do I connect those two aspects? How do I connect it? So another way to figure out on where you're holding and sort of give you a little bit more clarity on what level you're on, is I'm going to share with you something from Amatisyahu Solomon. And he says that you want to know how to test yourself to see what's your proper perspective on emunah, bitachon, on faith, and hishadut, and effort, is the way that we balance prayer and hishadut. Meaning if let's say a man runs into the synagogue, runs into the shul, and he prays very, very quickly, and he's out the door, why? Because he has a major business meeting that he has to get to. And he understands that the, the, the meeting, this is gonna be, this is gonna be very crucial to if he will be successful, or he will fail, he will not get this deal. So he's sitting over there in the synagogue, and he's praying, and he's rushing through because he's gotta make it to the meeting. Meaning that, in his mind, the meeting is more critical to his success than the actual prayer. And his effort is not in the prayer, but his effort is in his hishtadlut. Meaning that this type of person, he puts high level of faith in his own effort, not in emunah b'techon, not in HaKadosh Baruch But at the same point in time, he also believes that everything comes from God. So he goes and he rushes through the prayer, he gets to the part of the prayer that he's able to speak, you know, his own request, and he says, Hashem, please uh, help me with uh, things that I need to do. Zooms past by and runs out of, out, of the, out of the shul. But it does not occur to him, unfortunately, that if he would spend his time in serious level, like, like put himself in a high level of, of prayer, of tefillah, that would, would give him so much more benefit than any business meeting that he would have. And to the point that this person, if this business meeting goes well, he goes and he says, you know why? Because I was sufficiently prepared for it. And by the way, yes, you should be prepared for your business meetings. You should do your hishadut for it. But this person feels, you know why I was successful? Not because of the prayer, not because God did it, because I worked hard. I was, I, I worked and I practiced and I prepared and I, and I practiced my, you know, my, my delivery and I practiced my speech and I practiced my pitch and I practiced everything and that's why I was successful. But what happens if let's say he's not successful? So you want to know what he's going to say? He's going to be like, you know what? I didn't sufficiently prepare. And yes, again, you should prepare. But he's going to feel like, you know what? Maybe if I would have prepared a little bit more, maybe I would have been able to be successful in this meeting. So he goes and the next time he has a meeting, he's going to go and he's going to maybe cancel his gemashio. <coughs> he's going to cancel, excuse me, he's going to cancel his Torah study. He's going to cancel his class that he needs to go to. Because he has to prepare himself. He has other priorities that he needs to focus on. And he's going to stay up late preparing for his meeting. And because of that, he gets very few hours of sleep. And he runs into the synagogue late to pray. And he stumbles through the prayer and he rushes through it without any concentration. And then he runs into the meeting. And before the meeting, he's like, wait a minute. Hashem, please help me. Please help me make it work. So this type of person, where is his level? You could see his level depending on where his prayer is. Says Rabbi Matisyahu Solomon, you want to know where you're standing in Emunah B'tachon? You look at your prayer. And this is, by the way, why Bezat Hashem, the next series that we want to do after Emunah is going to be prayer. Because Emunah and prayer, faith and prayer, are very, very much connected. And in fact, says Rabbi Matisyahu Solomon, the greater the faith, the more effective the prayer. Ask Rabbi Solomon, why is that? Why is it that the greater the, fact, the, the, greater the, the faith, the more effective the prayer? 
And then Rabbi Tzadok Salman asked a very important question. How does prayer even help? Like, can you even begin to understand this concept? Like, a person, let's say, has difficulties earning a livelihood, panasa. And he goes, unfortunately, into debt, and he can't cover his expenses. And he goes and he starts pleading to God for some sort of, you know, paycheck, some sort of money, some sort of uh, reprieve from his financial burdens. And he cries out to God. And he says, you know, I know Hashem, everything is in your hand. My business is failing because of you. I know if you want, want me to make me a, a you know, decent living, you would be able to give me a decent living. So please, God, give me a de- decent living. Now, God gave him a less than what he needed panasa. A, you know, something that he is not able to make ends meet. And that God ordained for him to have. And all of a sudden, he goes and he starts speaking to Hashem. And Hashem's going to be like, you know what? You're right. You're a nice guy. He's like, you know what? Let me change my decree. Let me give you a decent living. Like, how does it work? God decreed that you would have this difficulty, whether it's in Shiduchim, whether it's in Panasa, whether it's in children. God decreed it. So why is it going to make a difference about you praying and be like, God, be like, you know what? Okay, because you asked, here you go. Like, how does that work? You change God's mind? You can't change God's mind. And the answer is, Says Ramat Solomon, you don't change, prayer doesn't change God's mind. Prayer changes the one who prays. A person that really goes and embraces tefillah, embraces prayer with full seriousness, he enters this, this cycle of prayer and faith. The more that he prays, the greater that his faith is. Meaning that when a person stands before Hashem with humility and faith, he goes and says, listen, he says, you know, yesterday, I, I, I realized that, that it's all in your hand. It's, it's nothing to do with mine. And the more the days go by, the more that I realize that it's all in your hand. Meaning that everything is min Hashemayim. Everything is from you, Hashem. And if you want, you can give it to me. And if you don't want, you don't have to give it to me. And you won't give it to me. So you know what Hashem does? Hashem listens to every single prayer. And God goes and says, Yesterday, you didn't really recognize that health, wealth, panasah, shalom bayit, all comes from me. You thought you were a tough guy. You thought that you would be able to accomplish everything. But all of a sudden, you humbled yourself. And you came before me and you said, you know what, I know that everything is in your hand. You know what changed over here? It says, you don't change God's mind, you change. You become different. And if you become different, then yesterday's decree doesn't apply to today's you. And if you change yourself, so every prayer has the ability to change you. And when you change you, you don't have the same decree that you have yesterday. So we think we change God's idea. No, no, we don't change God. We change ourselves. And we change ourselves. We have the ability to go and change our decrees because we're no longer the person that we were yesterday. So the more that we pray, the greater of the faith that we have because it's clearly related. The more that we see that Hashem's hand is in everything and the more that we see that the worthier we become of receiving Hashem's blessing. And this is the cycle of tefillah, prayer, and faith. So you want to know what level you are on? If you couldn't figure out in the previous five levels, then think about your level of prayer. Because that closely relates on your level of emunah bidahon. It's so important that we be honest where we're standing. In general, in all life, many people convince themselves that we're okay spiritually speaking. Now you know what? Me and God, we have an understanding. And we do that for our emunah as well. We believe, we convince ourselves we're in a very high level of emunah. We convince ourselves that we're okay with our level of tefillah. 
We convince ourselves that we're okay on sniyut. We convince ourselves that we're okay on the amount that we learn. We convince ourselves that we're okay in our relationships. We're okay on how we raise our kids. We're okay, we convince ourselves. But you want to know something so, so important? That if you really want to work on yourself, if you really want to grow in anything in life, you have to be honest on where you're holding. You have to be honest. So, so important. The Ali Shar brings down a story. The Reb Chaim of Lajan, he had some sort of pain in his neck. And he was sitting with his rabbi, the Vilna Gon. And in the olden days, the way that they used to sort of alleviate certain illnesses was through leeches. They, it was sort of removing a bla- the bad blood, and that would, that would remove sort of the ailments. So the, the Rav Chaim Velashim was sitting over there, and he was learning with his rabbi, the Vilna Gaon, and he had leeches on his neck to alleviate his pain. And the Vilna Gaon started teaching about Emunah Bitochon. And Reb Chaim of Elijah felt that he was on a, such a high level of Emunah B'tachon that he no longer needed to do Hishtadlut. And he took off, he had a scarf with the leeches, he took it off. He felt he no longer needed to do Hishtadlut, the physical efforts, to cure his pain. And he removed it. And as the rabbi, the Vilna Gaon, was, was, was teaching, he eventually moved on to a different, different other topics. And as he moves on to other topics, Reb Chaim of Lashen goes and he began to feel that he was no longer on that high level that he was just moments ago when he was learning with on the topic of an So he realized now I'm no longer on that high level. He took the leeches back on and he put it back on. Meaning that we see over here, even Reb Chaim of Lashen, he knew the level of an is fluid. It all depends on where you're holding. Where you're holding. Rabbi Chaim Velazhen, he knew where he stood. He kept himself in check. When he felt that he was on a high level, he lowered his heishtadlut. But the second that he realized that maybe he's not on that level anymore, he went and he brought back that heishtadlut. We have to be honest with ourselves. And you know what's so difficult about this honesty? Is that every day, it changes. And we have to honestly think about every day, what's my level of Imanah B'dachon? Granted, it sort of goes like a wave, but it should be going on a wave that's going up. Like slowly, slowly, you're going higher and higher. Yes, you waver, you have some difficult days. And yes, that's fine, but you have to be honest with yourself. And if you want to grow in anything in life, anything in life, you have to be honest. If you think your relationships are great, then you will never grow and you'll never change from it. But if you're honest, you'll be like, you know what? I could work on maybe in this aspect of my relationship with my spouse. Maybe I could work on this aspect of my relationship with my children. Then you have hope. If you start thinking, you know what, maybe I could grow a little bit more in tefillah. Maybe I could concentrate just a little bit more on prayer. Then you have a chance of growing in prayer. But if you feel that you're okay, if you're not intellectually honest with yourself, then you're never going to grow. It is so imperative, so important that you go and you do your introspection and you realize where you're holding. And based on where you're holding, you could start plugging in and figuring out, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to focus on? And how much emunah, how much ishtadut do I need to do? Rav Fischl Shafta brings down a story that there was once a certain rabbi. This rabbi was a huge scholar. He spent all his time learning Torah, teaching Torah and writing Hidushim this novel Torah insights on the Torah. And after he spent years and years on writing these chidushim, he wanted to have his chidushim printed. 
But the problem was, this is in the olden days, and the nearest printing press was overseas. So he goes over to one of his students, and he goes and he says, I'm giving you my life's work. This is something that I worked on my entire life. Guard this with your life. Every fiber of your being, you make sure that you guard this because this is me. This is everything I put into this. I want you to go across seas. I want you to go and print uh, and, and put this into print. So the student says, of course, I'll guard it. This is a priceless treasure, of course. And he travels. And unfortunately, the ship hit a violent storm and the ship capsized. Fortunately, the student somehow managed to survive. But all the papers, all the chidushim were all lost. And the student gets back to his hometown and he's trying to think, like, how is he going to say this to his rabbi? The rabbi told him to guard us with his life. The rabbi, this is the rabbi's life. He spent years and years, an endless amount of hours on this chidushim. How is he going to go and tell him, I just lost everything? He didn't back it up in his computer. There was no computers. There was no backup. Everything was on one draft. How is he going to go over to his rabbi? So he gathered a bunch of his friends, the other students, and he made a plan. But the next day, when they went into the rabbi's shul, when the rabbi was teaching class, one student raised a hand. And he says, Rabbi, I have a question. And the rabbi says, of course, what's your question? And the student goes and quotes a, uh, the Gman Bachot, page 60b. And the, and the Gman goes over there and says, Kishem Shema Vachim Alatov, just like we make a blessing on the good, we have to make a blessing on the bad, meaning that we have to bless God, whether it's good and whether it's bad. And the student goes and says, Rabbi, please excuse me, how is it possible? How is it possible to bless God on the bad? And the rabbi says, what do you mean? He says, everything that God does, God does for the best. You have to, doesn't matter if it's bad or it's good, it's really all good. You have to bless everything for the good. So then the student goes and says, yeah, but what happens if such and such a thing happens? So Rabbi says, of course, it doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter how bad it is. Everything that God does, God does for the good. So one by one, another student raised their hand and says, yeah, Rabbi, what about this scenario? And he gives another bad scenario. And the Rabbi says, of course, you have to go and you have to bless God for the good for this as well. And one after another, another student says, but what about this example? And what about this example? And what about what if someone gets into an accident? And if someone has a health issue, and someone has Shidduchim issue, and someone has Panasai issue, and the rabbi was getting red in his face, screaming everything that God does, God does for the best. Doesn't matter what happens, it's all for the best. We have to bless God for the bad and for the good. The rabbi was getting red in his face, screaming this, this, uh, you know, th- this concept. Finally, a boy spoke up. And he told him, he says, Rabbi, your papers were lost at sea. All your chudushim, everything was lost. The rabbi heard the news, he fainted. Probably fell down and fainted. <clears throat> the boys realized that the plan has failed. They rush over to the rabbi. They try to like, you know, bring him back. Finally, the rabbi comes to and they start apologizing. They, you know, they said, you know, Rabbi, we tried to prepare you, you know, through this, you know, tactic. But we realized that, you know, we failed. So the rabbi said, failed. He says, not at all. He says, I woke up. He says, who knows what would have happened if you didn't prepare me? Who knows what would have happened if you didn't bring me? Yes, I fell down. But who knows what level I would have been on had you not prepared me? Who knows if I would have ever woken up? Meaning that there are so many levels of emunah and bitachon. There's so many levels. We have to figure out where we are, or at least in the area of where we are. And when we figure out where we are, that's how we figure out on how much we have to do our hishadut, how much we have to do our effort. The question that we ask is like, where should we be? How much, how much emunah and how much effort we need to have? And it all depends on where you're holding.
But even a more important question that you have to ask yourself, besides where you're holding, is are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with yourself where you're holding? And if we're honest with ourselves, that could be very scary. But you know what? It could also be something very beautiful. Because that will give us the opportunity to grow in all aspects of our life. It will give us the opportunity to bring us to a level that we have never dreamed of before. Because when you're honest, when you realize where you are, you can see where you want to go. The, the, the Where we want to go, the Chavot HaVot tells us that we have to be on a level. You want to be know what your goal is? Tranquility from worries. To be on a level that you're not worried about anything. And the Vilna Golan says, you want to know what that means? He says, just like you have a nursing infant, that when the infant is full, they don't worry about if there's going to be more milk available. They know they cry, they're going to get fed. They cry, they're going to be changed. They cry, they're going to get whatever it is that they wanted. They're not worried about like, you know what, do I have to eat a little bit to save more milk? For the no, 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 they don't think about it. They have a tranquility of worries. But in order to get to that level, we have to realize where we are. And once we realize where we are, we could begin to figure out where we need to go. And with that, we will open up to any questions. Okay, so, oh, you know what? Yes, before, Jonathan, before you get to that, let's, I just want to bring one point that um, I see the message was sent privately. So just, just an FYI, for whoever wants to uh, join, and we mentioned this before, whoever wants to join our, um, our classes, as always, um, there, it's open to the public uh, as of now. Uh, it, it is possible, by the way, I'll just give you a, right now it's open to, to the public, but it's very, very likely that I may have, I may, I'm sort of leaning to possibly just making it back to a, a women's only class. Right now it's open to the public, but we're going to see uh, where we're going to ve- venture out to that. So if you want to join us, uh, for the time being, you can reach out at, uh, to Rabbi Zitron at TorahAnytime.com. And I will send you with the information. There's WhatsApp, you know, groups for either men or women, and also an email option. So yes, uh, we had a live question, so you could go ahead. I believe it was Jonathan. Oh, never mind. You messaged me. I'll get to it later. I'm gonna go in order. So we have other other questions. Okay, question number one. What does it mean when someone thinks? As if they're on a high level, but they don't have a strong feeling of it. They cannot get to a deep emotional connection on any typical day. This makes praying really difficult because it seems like the connection is missing. And therefore, there's no connection while praying. I currently do a few minutes of his bodhidut and learning from a Muna book prior to most prayers and have done this for months. That's excellent. That's excellent what you're doing. But if someone, you know, it's, it's a very... You know, the truth is, is, this topic is very, very difficult. Uh, it's not difficult to speak about. It's difficult to internalize. And it's difficult to really put into fruition. Because where really is that, that fine line? So it's not only prayer that you have to uh, you know, focus on. You have to take the whole picture. So yes, prayer is a very, very big indicator of where you're holding an emunah bitachon. But there are, other factors as, you know, there are other factors as well on how you go to your day-to-day life. And even your day-to-day life, there are certain areas that your emunah is higher and other areas that it's lower. Now it could be that it's really because that's really where it is, but it also could be because you're lazy in certain areas and you're not lazy in other areas. So the intellectual honesty is very, very important over here. Um, so the aspect is that if you're thinking that you're on a high level, 
in let's say Munab Bitochon, but your prayer is really not up to par of where you're holding. So the chances are that you may not be as a high level of Munab Bitochon as where you think that you are. Yes, there are separate tests with, uh, with prayer that it doesn't correlate exactly. But there is a good indicator. So what one thing, if you want to go and you want to raise your level of emunah, sometimes it's by raising your prayer level, you raise your level of emunah. So sometimes people think that, you know, you have to work backwards, meaning that if you go and you work on a different issue, it actually would help another issue. So in this case in particular, if you work on prayer, it would actually help you with, uh, with emunah. Okay, next question is, theoretically, if a person knows and believes and acts the way that every single thing comes from Hashem, why would he need to pray? He isn't saying anything new because he already knows everything comes from Hashem. Very good. So that there is, um, so the, the question is that if let's say you know that everything comes from God, then why do you need to pray? So the, the aspect of prayer is not just for requests. The aspect of prayer, there's, there's different aspects. There's aspects of that you have to do, you have to say, you know, thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to, um, you know, there, basically there's, there's different concepts of prayer, but yes, one of them is asking for Bakashot, asking for requests. The question where it comes a little bit more difficult, and this we have to, you know, deal about it in, um, you know, when we speak about prayer, is if prayer changes me, then how could, if I pray for somebody else, then how could that change somebody else? If that's only supposed to change me. But that's something we'll have to deal with when we speak about Bezal Hashem in the uh, prayer series. Okay, next question. Um, I had Emuna that I would win the Ura auction and I didn't win. <laughs> um, well, it's very likely that you weren't on a uh, level of Emuna, just like um, you know the story of Rabbi Shal Salanter. Uh, but it could be you are very high. But there's also other aspects to that. It's, it, you know, even if someone could be on a very, very high level of Una, it is possible that maybe some things are not good for you and it's for your benefit not to win that. So again, I'm not God. I don't know why you didn't win that Ura auction and I hope that you win the next auction, but uh, there is a reason why you didn't win it. It could be that you weren't on a high level, uh, on the highest level that you needed to be. On the other aspect is, is it could be that it wasn't, uh, it, would, it would have been very detrimental for you. Okay, um, yes, I see someone here asked that I, you have a question about something that I said a long time ago. By all means, you could uh, ask any questions. Those doesn't have to be related to Muna on now. At the end of these classes, you could ask any questions. doesn't matter what the subject is. And I'll try my best with Hashem's help to answer. Uh, next question is, what are strategies to strengthen Muna regarding science? So I'm not sure I understand this, um, this question on... Science, when someone goes and learns science, if you want to know how to strengthen it, there's two ways to look at science. There's a way to look at science saying that, wow, everything is natural and everything has its own calculation, its own formula, and everything has its own place. And if you follow the formula, you'll get whatever it is that you want to get. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that, wow, look how Hashem created science, that everything has its own formula and everything has its own way to get to it. Meaning that all you add is like, look at what God created. Look at the beauty. That's why you have doctors who studied, you know, for, for years medicine and they, they see miracles. So some doctors are like, wow, it's so miraculous. Look how amazing it is. For other doctors, it's just science. So it all depends on how you view science. If you view science with a lens of God or a godly, uh, you know, aspect, of it, then you will see every Hashem and everything. But if you look at it from a scientific, stro- strictly scientific point of view, then that will cause you to to fall, you know, further, uh, you know, away. Okay, uh, where are we over here? Next question. 
Um, when I do personal prayer, I feel on a high level, but when I pray Amida, I have a harder time. So that's very common. That's a very common thing that when you pray and you ask personal bakashat, you feel connected. Because you're like now I'm saying it. But when you're praying from a sidu and all of a sudden you're just saying words that you're like said a thousand times, you're not really so connected to it. So there's really a lot to speak about this. But I'll give you a little bit, just, just, just a, a few small tidbits on it. That when you pray for your own personal thing, the reason why you're connected is because it becomes personal. And be like, Hashem, I need your help because I'm going out on a date. I need your help because I'm giving a Torah class. I need your help because I'm going in a business meeting. So it becomes personal. So another way to make the Amidah, to make the Shemona Esrei more personal to you, is that when you're praying, when you're going and you're making those, uh, you know, the prayers of whatever it is in, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're focusing on, on Shemona Esrei, make that aspect personal. You go and you give, you know, a person wisdom. So make that personal. Hashivenu, you're saying, okay, let me come close to you. Make that personal. Think in your mind, you want to make yourself closer to Hashem. You want to make other people closer to Hashem. So if you become more personal on those other aspects of, of tefillah, that will make it more easier to connect to it. Okay, next. How does one apply more emuna to day to day life? Especially when around family members seem to be on a lower level of emuna. Um, a more, more lower level than themselves. So emunah doesn't really, uh, you know, matter what your neighbors are. Emunah is something that you work internally. Uh, it's not something that you have to sing in the streets. It's something, I'm not saying that's bad, but it's something that you have to work internally. So if you want to apply it to day to day life, the, there's two aspects that I could just tell you off the bat. Number one is pray before you do anything. You're about to go and drive, say, Hashem, please let me get there safely. You're about to go to sleep, say, Hashem, please have, let me have a safe, uh, uh, you know, a restful sleep. So basically you're imbuing all this spirituality, all this, uh, you know, Kedusha into your day-to-day life, so you're going to start seeing some more connections. That's one way. Another way is that you just actually see Hashem in your day-to-day life. You walk in the street and you'd be like, wow, look at this beautiful tree. Look at this beautiful bird. You, you're in your house and be like, wow, look at the beautiful paint that Hashem was able to create. You know, like there's so many different things. Yes, some things are man-made, but at the end of the day, it was all created from substance from Hashem. So when you start seeing Hashem in everything in your life, or you start asking for Hashem in everything in your life, you start working and building your emunah on your day-to-day basis. Okay, next uh, question we have over here. Okay. I am a salesman and I dive in before I go into every store that Hashem give me help and make me successful and get good sales. But I don't always see the product of the tefillah. Why? That's a good question. So let's say you pray for something. This, this question um, is really associated with prayer is I pray and I don't get answered. And how come I don't get answered? So this is Bezat Hashem going to be, a, I want to make it a full class on why don't we get answered. And the... Simple answer that I'll give you right now, just to give you something little, is every prayer is heard and every prayer is answered, but it's answered sometimes a little bit differently. So sometimes what Hashem does, let's give you an example on this, you know, because you're in the salesman. So let's say you go into a certain store and you make your prayer and you say, and you want to make the sale and it doesn't work. And you go to another store and you make it, and, and really three, four or five stores, you're not successful in making a sale. And you're praying before you go into every, before every meeting, you're trying to go and you're trying to make this sale successful. But it's not working out. You want to know what one scenario could be? And that is Hashem is collecting 
all these prayers. And Hashem says, you know what? Says, you have a small sale here, a small sale here. A small... You know what I'm doing? I'm taking all these prayers and I'm putting it into a very large sale that you make enough money that will be greater than all these sales. Or what Hashem will do will be like, you, you're praying for, for financial success over here, but really you need a certain prayer, maybe in Shaduchim, maybe in marriage, maybe in kids, maybe in health. And I'm taking these prayers and I'm sort of like moving it to something that is more appropriate, more important for you right now in your life. So just because we make a prayer and we don't see the immediate result right away doesn't mean it wasn't a successful prayer. It's very likely that it was a successful prayer, but we didn't see the result in the way that we saw it, in the way that we're looking. Okay, next question. I gave many examples of when someone can lose their share in the world to come, but we also say in Perkei Avos, we all have a share in the world to come. So yes, yeah, so this is again, this is, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Gman Sanedrin also brings us down at the end in Perkei that if a person... Uh, brings that out also before every, every, uh, every Jew has a share in the world to come. But there are certain things that you can lose your share in the world to come. They don't contradict each other because, yes, every Jew has a share in the world to come unless they do certain sins. And if they do these certain sins and they do not do tshuva and they stick to their sins, then they can lose their share in the world to come. Not saying that, that in general, everybody has a share in the world to come. Every Jew has a share in the world to come. But you have to be careful that you don't mess it up because there's ways of losing it. Meaning that you can't say, okay, I have a share of the world to come, I do whatever I want, and don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. No, there are certain sins that you could lose your share in uh, the world to come. But again, in those situations, you could do chuba and you could get it back. Okay, next question. Um, okay, the question is, how do you explain Yehoshua stopping the sun? Um, uh, this, so this is referring to a story that happened in Tanakh, where you have Yeshua ben Nun went and stopped the, um, it was sort of the, the froze the sun into a certain uh, place. I, I'm not sure of the question on how, uh, on, on what that was. This is obviously was a miracle. This was obviously something that what came from out, uh, outside of natural, uh, you know, way of things. But it's, it's, uh, it, you know, miracles, miracles happen and we have, uh, numerous miracles throughout the Jewish history, besides the f- ones that are matan Torah, splitting of the sea. There are many, many times where there are certain, uh, you know, miracles that happen, and and this too was a uh, a nace, a miracle. Next, how could someone not have? How could someone not have and have a shear? So it all depends on your sin. So it all depends on the person who sin, not your sin. So it all depends on what the person sin. So if you want to look more into this, there are certain sins that loses a person's share in the world to come. If you want to, you could look it up in Hilchot Shuvah. The Rambam brings it up in Hilchot Shuvah and speaks about there. There are certain uh, uh, sins that a person does that um, that uh, a person loses a share of the world to come. There's also, there's different aspects. This is a very interesting topic because there's different concept of, of karet, of losing the share of the world to come. These are different, um, you know, aspects to it. So it's not if a person could have and could not have. And I understand the question. The question is an excellent question. Um, is that a person could lose a share of the world to come. Now, what you're asking, what I think you're asking is an excellent question. Be like, what happens if someone did a lot of good things? And then they did something that would lose their share in the world to come. What happens? So they have a share in the world to come because of all the mitzvot they did. And then they lost their share in the world to come because of all the sins that they did. So for that, I'm not God. I'm not God's accountant. But there are certain things that could happen. It could be a gilgul. They could come back in reincarnation to, certain, to fix certain things. Or there's different aspects that could happen. Again, there are certain scenarios that we're not God's accountant. And we cannot say, okay, you did X, Y, and Z, tremendous amount of good, but you also did this sin, which loses your share of the world to come. So because of that, this is what your future is going to be. And we know uh, the, the formula is very simple. 
if you do certain sins, you lose your share in the world to come. And you have to get out of that by doing certain mitzvot. Oh, but what happens if you are a big righteous person and you did one sin? Or I don't know. I'm not God's accountant. I don't know. what if Technically, this person lost share of the world. But Hashem could do it that a person could come back in a reincarnation, could come back in certain things that sort of to fix that sin that they had uh, that prevented them um, from getting where they need to get to. Okay. Um, where are we are over here? I'm trying to follow up over here. Oh, wow. This week, a lot of questions. Okay. Um, is it allowed to follow sports? Um, it depends on so many factors. Uh, generally, it's a waste of time. Uh, but, you know, again, this is a question that really depends on, on what sport, how, what does it mean by following it? What is, what level of person is on? There's so many different aspects, you know, to it. Generally speaking, you have to spend your time learning to why. You're sitting in and you're following sports. You're wasting your time. But then you have a certain person that needs certain outlets, certain needs certain things. And if it's a kosher outlet, so there's many different things. These types of questions you have to ask your local Orthodox rabbi and how, where you are holding, uh, you know, per se. If it's a problem of tzniut, then definitely not. If it's a problem of, of, you know, if we were talking about betting, then it's definitely not. There's different, uh, you know, criterias that one has to de- go to when dealing with this type of outlet. In general, I tell people who ask me these types of questions, is it's much better to play sports than to follow sports. Because when you're playing sports, at least you're doing some sort of exercise. And exercise is healthy, and that's a good outlet and a good thing to do. Um, very, very important to be, um, you know, to exercise. You know, Rabbi Vigna Miller was known to doing his, his walks on Ocean Parkway, for example. Okay, so next. Uh, next question. I find that I am very afraid to trust in Hashem. I think I'm scared to let go. What are some... Tips to be able to trust in Hashem, especially if you trusted in Him in the past and you've been let down. So, that's a very, very good question. Um, the If a person went and they feel that they're sort of nervous to do sort of a, a sort of let it go and, you know, throw Hashem your package and do, every, you know, and lean back, then... I would recommend to do those two things that we spoke about before, is try to imbue Hashem in your life day to day. Meaning, ask Hashem before you do anything. Speak to Hashem on a day to day basis. Meaning, you're walking the street, you're speaking, you're in your house, you're cooking dinner, you're speaking to Hashem. Please Hashem, make me. Ask Hashem, continuously ask Hashem. That's step one. Step two is start to see Hashem everywhere. Look and see God in everything. See the beauty, beauty of the creation. See the beauty of, of, of paintings, of trees, of life, of children, of husbands, of food, of everything. The more that you see that, the more that you'll realize Hashem's presence in your life. And the more that it will be easier for you to trust. Okay. The, okay. Um, okay, then we have another question. What sins can a person do that would, uh, you know, lose his share in, uh, in, uh, the world to come? So there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of different sins that a person can do and loses the share in the world to come. Uh, we spoke about this, I think we spoke, um, years ago. Um, we spoke about this, uh, with this, this thing. The, to go through all of them, I'm not going to go through now, but maybe I should go through, being that this was, uh, you know, a little bit of a, um, you know, maybe I should, no, I'm not going to go through everything. So, um, there, there are different aspects, there are different sins that a person does that is, is considered on a very, very severe level. So, let's say, for example, someone goes and... Um, 
will cause other people to sin. That, that's a very common one. Someone that causes other people to sin. Uh, let's say uh, another example would be uh, if, let's say, someone uh, you know doesn't believe in certain foundations, certain principles of 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 the of, Ju- of Judaism, can also cause a person to lose a share in the world to come. Um, there are many different aspects, you know, to it. I'm trying to think of more more practical ones. You know, maybe at the end, let me go through these questions. Maybe the end I should run through it. I'm trying to remember when was the last time. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll do this at the end. Maybe we'll go through this um, this thing. Okay. Let's uh, l- let's go back to that. We're getting a lot of questions. Okay. Uh, when you daven for something and you see exactly what you davened for was answered right away, and it's a situation you davened for someone else, how are you supposed to thank Hashem for this chesed? And are you supposed to publicize this amazing chesed? For example, I daven for someone to find a shidduch, and a day later he got engaged. He had been divorced for a while. So <laughs> this is a great question. So um, the I definitely don't say like you go over to this guy and the you go to him and be like, hey, by the way, you want to know why you got engaged and you got married? I've been praying for you, and because of that, I you know you got engaged. No, the the way that you're supposed to go about it is you should internalize that to yourself. Uh, the, you feel, you, you should, you know, in life, you want to gain your power of Emunamidahan. So you go and you realize and you look and you see how your prayers were answered. So you sh- you don't need to publicize it, but you should publicize it to yourself in your mind saying, see, look, I tried something and I was, um, successful and this came out of it. So this should go, just like the previous question that we had was like, okay, I prayed and I don't get all the answers. Now here we see that if you pray and you do get answered. So you have to look at those times that you do get answered and use them for the times that you feel that you don't get answered. Um, okay. So now, uh, let's go to the next question. The, oh no, never mind, that's not a question. Let's move on to the next one. If I say, Lashon Hara, do all my mitzvahs go to the person I speak about? It's very hard about the Lashon Hara. Yes, yeah, so there is an aspect of, of, you know, uh, of that, you know, that I'm not, I'm not going to go into details on that and what that means. Uh, but there is an aspect in that and how careful you have to, um, you have to be, you have to be when you're, you know, when you're speaking Lashon Hara. I can't emphasize it enough. In fact, it's something that I have been considering about doing in, down the line about the whole series about uh, Lashon Hara and how important, uh, you know, how important it is. So, okay. Where are we over here? Uh, okay. Okay, if I barely pray, does that mean that my level of Vimuna is less than I think? So, oh, that's a good question. Okay, I didn't follow that. So let's say your level, let's say you don't pray so much. So does that mean that your Vimuna is, is, is less? Um, it's a great, great question. It's, it's, uh, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible that if, let's say you don't pray or not, then, you know, how high do you consider that your level is if you're not, if you're not, you know, connecting to Hashem, if you're not going and speaking to Hashem. So it's very, very possible that it is, it's not always related to that, but it is very possible that it is somewhat, you know, related. And if you're not davening, then yeah, it's, it, it, you know, you could be on the aspect of having maybe, um, a lower level of emunah and, uh, and bitachon. Okay. 
It's a great question, but technically, yeah. Okay, where are we over here? Uh, I think I'm missing some things over here. Uh, okay, is it good to stay up late to learn Torah if you'll have less Kavanah and Shachar? So no, you should not push yourself, you know, you could lose more than you gain. If you're going to push yourself to stay up later, and because of that, you're not going to be able to concentrate in the whole day tomorrow, you're not going to be able to work well, you're not going to be able to learn well, you're not going to be able to pray well, then no, obviously you go to sleep early, and you go to sleep on time. Um, okay, and that was uh, the final question. I guess, there's one other thing, it also depends on why I... Oh, yes, it's true. So regarding the question of prayer, going back to it, there's a reason why I'm hesitant to like answer this thing, uh, this question on, on if I don't pray, does that mean that my level is on a lower level? Um, and there, are, and what you said is yes, it's very true. It depends on why you're not praying. They are, uh, you know, there, there are many reasons of why a person doesn't, uh, doesn't pray. So I'm not talking about a woman who has a child and things like that, and they're not able to go and do the full prayer. But at the end of the day, there is a very, very close connection between prayer and, and, and Munan So if you're on a very low level on one of them, chances are that you're on a low level on the other one, but not always necessarily, but chances are yes. Okay, so... Uh, okay, we have one more question, then we're going to go to the final thing, which people ask me on, on uh, a losing share in world to come. When you daven for something, and you see exactly what you daven for was answered right away, in a situation daven for Oh no, wait, never mind. Okay, I answered this question already. <laughs> never mind. Okay. Um, Alright, so let's go now to the final aspect of it, and uh, let's answer some... Uh, um, uh, so this question was asked on what is what causes one to lose his share in the world to come. So now... I was hesitant to say this before, and I'm hesitant, and this is the reason why I pushed it to the end, is a lot of these things, they need explanations. Um, so, you know, just to speak about it very fast, I feel like it's not going to do it justice, but I will go through it briefly just because people, um, you know, ask about it. So again, if somebody wants to do extensive, you know, uh, more learning about it, I did give a class on, on those that lose a share of the world to come. You want, you could also look at the Rambam in El Chochuba, I believe it's the third chapter, that speaks about who loses uh, their share in the world to come. So we said that people, let's say, that cause other people to do uh, sins. That's one thing. Another aspect of it is also people that deny certain 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 uh, principles of, of faith. So let's let's uh, you know give a little bit of examples on that. Somebody who denies the Torah. Somebody who denies the oral law. Someone denies that there is a God. Someone denies that. Um, uh, that there, not, not someone denies, someone says that there's more than one God. There's a, there's a few gods. So uh, there's different aspects that, that are fundamental aspects of Judaism. If you deny those aspects, you lose your share in the world to come. You des- deny, uh, let's say, Triatamitim, a resurrection of the dead, or Mashiach, uh, you know, things like that. Um, someone who, who proudly does sins in public, you know, uh, against the Torah. There are also other aspects. We, you know, we spoke about, um, you know, lashon uh, hara. Lashon hara is also one of these aspects of it that it could cause a person to lose a share in the world to come. Uh, there's also in this category uh, someone who murders, and obviously we're we're dealing in a situation where someone does all these sins and they don't do tshuva. But if they do tshuva, then they have a share in the world to come. Again, this is an extensive class. Every every little topic over here I spoke about in depth in the class I spoke about on losing a share of the world to come. But um, if if you want to go look at it in more depth, I would say to look into that class. And uh, I think I gave two classes on that. Uh, just just search under my page, uh, world to come. It should come up. Uh, but again, if you want to actually look inside, look it up in, in the Rambam in Hilchot uh, Tshuva. Okay. 
We got a few more questions, so we're going to finish up with these questions, and then we'll close it for the night. Um, okay, question, is it better... Oh, uh, where I lost it over here. Oh, is it better to learn a few uh, a few daf, a few pages of shas, of gemara, bi'yun, in depth, or be, uh, do it more on a, on a superficial level, not in depth, but to cover more ground? So the general aspect of the yeshiva world and the way that it's done is that they do is what they split it up into like something a morning seder and a, and a second seder. Meaning that in the morning, part of the time you spend learning biyun, you learn it in depth. Meaning that when you're learning something, there's two ways to learn it. Either you, learn it, you just go through it or you go really focus on it. The problem is that if you really focus on something and you really go in depth, so you're not going to be able to cover a lot of ground. You're going to be going very slow. On the other hand, if you go fast, you're able to cover a lot of ground, but you won't get that, you, you won't get that much, you know, knowledge into it. So the best answer is to really to go and to, to try to get a little bit of both in, into it. If you're not able to go in to get into both, so it depends. It depends on your on your personality. Some people, if they learn biyun, if they just focus on it, they're going to be learning one chapter for like two years. They they are they're going to feel depressed. They'd be like, "Well, I'm learning. I didn't get anywhere." So that's why you have something like the dafiomi, where you go through a page, so you accomplish a lot. But the truth of the matter is, what's really better is really when you go into depth. When you go into depth and you really understand it. But again, it's good to do both, and that's the yeshiva mahalach, the yeshiva way to do it. Okay, uh, let's let's try to wrap this up over here because it's getting late. Um, yes, uh, okay. Uh, I did do a class a few years ago about uh, uh, th- the three types of karet and the, the sins and losing shield will to come. Correct. Okay, next question is, what if I don't see the value of prayer? Mindset is, it will be whatever God wants. Because mindset? Uh, like it's good... But a lot of rationalization, rationalizing can also affect it. Busy, tired, etc. So uh, the the real important aspect of that, that's an excellent question. By the way, it's so common, so common to uh, you know to people. Um, it's you know everything that you're asking really fits into one in, into one category. And I really feel like if you focus on this, you will gain in a lot of different areas. And that is focus on 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 prayer. Focus on on gaining prayer. Now it's not about volume it's not about like the quantity it's about the quality of your prayer because i'm specifically speaking to a woman uh now just for the you know for for the context of what i'm about to say that right now focus on tefillah focus on prayer and be uh try to get something that you could really connect to it and make it something that you work on and i can guarantee you that if you really work on this it will change your life it will change your life you will see it and you will see the value of prayer but you really have to work on it and it's so important to connect to it and it's really to connect to it so i know we didn't start speaking about this yet and we're not on topic yet i would say to buy some some books there's so many amazing books even in english that are written that you could connect to tefillah that you just learn a little bit even like you, you pick about something that you learn, uh, you know, a lesson a day. Uh, I feel it's a fire of tefillah. There's something about a lesson a day that, that it's on the value of prayer. Start with something like that and internalize that. Do that before you pray and internalize it. You'll see worlds of different. Okay. Um, okay, there's a question that I was asked regarding Tinoch Shanish Ba. Um, uh, uh, regarding, I'm assuming it's regarding losing share in the world to come. That's on a different category. Tinochin is on a different category. A person that doesn't know any better doesn't know any better. Someone who was, um, you know, born and raised a Christian, but they're really a Jew and they don't know any better. So again, what do you get, you know, do they get punished for something that they didn't know? The answer, no, that's that concept of Tinochin But again, we're not God and we're not God's accountant on how that's going to uh, factor in in the next world and how God will judge them for whatever it is. But of course, God takes that into consideration. Okay, um, 
All right. Praying with fire. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for, for uh, messaging that. Yes. Praying with fire. That's the, that's the, that's the book. I would say start with something like that. Uh, final question, really final question, and then we'll end it for tonight. How to focus during tefillah and get bad thoughts out? Um, <laughs> final question, but it's such a, such a heavy question. Um, so uh, to focus in tefillah, I'll give you two quick um, uh, you know, pointers. Number one, know what you're saying. Start going and understanding because if you don't know what you're saying you're just reading words there's no reason why you should focus it's very hard to just mumble words but if you focus and you try to understand what you're saying you'll have a little bit more of a connection to it and you'll you'll be able to understand it more so um, what I recommend is to buy the article Sidu or some other Sidu that has a translation and then you go through it slowly and you, when you're praying pray a little bit slower and, and realize what you're saying another aspect is to instead of rushing through tefillah think like even three seconds before you start praying of just like put yourself into a mindset so that you'll be able to concentrate because we sort of get into the flow and get into the road, get into like the, the, the mechanical ways of doing things and we're just like a machine. We just go through everything and we tend to like not concentrate because we're just going through the motion. But if you just stop even for three seconds, that's all it takes, three seconds and be like, you know what? I'm about to pray. And even though you don't know you're about to pray, but you're thinking about, I'm about to speak to Hashem. That will change, uh, you know, everything in your, in your prayer. It's just a small little aspect of it. With that, we will bid everybody a good night, a Shabbat Shalom, an amazing, successful week. Until Bezat Hashem uh, next week, thank you all for joining. Thank you all for coming. Until next week, have an amazing and a successful just everything. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.